We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to 755 Forever. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer at The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, former Braves reliever, Eric O'Flaherty. What's happening, Eric? How you doing, man? What's up, Dave? I'm pretty good. You? I'm good. I'm back from spring training for a while. Then go back down there soon. But uh, I was there for the first few games and saw a lot of things that uh, really, really encouraging between the games I saw in person and the games I've seen since on TV. Man, I watched today. I was really impressed with Ken Giles, man. Smith Shaver got knocked around a little bit. He made the start today, got knocked around, gave up a couple of first inning home runs. You know, came out throwing 97 to 99 right away and gave up 99. He had 99 three times in the first inning that I saw. 99? Yeah, I think he was amped up, but, you know, he left a couple over the plate, breaking balls and fastballs. And uh, he got hurt a little bit by uh, Real Muto and boom. Each in his first A-B of the spring homered off of him in the first inning because there was a debut for those two. But I think the important thing is him, obviously, is the arm is tremendous. It's just going to take a while. I mean, he's still 20. He just turned 21, you know. And uh, we saw glimpses of it last year. At times, he was brilliant. Other times, he got knocked around. Just going to take a while. This is a kid that would have been, you know, if he'd have gone to college, he would, what, just now be getting out of college, you know, or, or still be in college at Texas Texas Tech, I think it was going to be where he was going to quarterback and play baseball. Still a young kid, though, born in 2002. That's insane. I feel so old every time I hear these guys' birthdays. <laughs> but he also didn't start pitching until pretty late, right? Most importantly, yeah. He's been pitching for four years now. He started, which is crazy. You just don't hear that. He started full-time pitching after his junior year in high school. That's it. Before that, he played baseball, kind of a lark, played some third base uh, with his buddies from the football team that played. Did not start throwing until summer ball after his junior year in high school. So he's really been pitching for four years. Whereas most of these kids start throwing, as you know, travel ball at 12 years old, if not if not earlier. No, my, I'm working with my son every day on mental stuff. He's learning how to make adjustments already at nine. You know, he's telling me, Dad, I kept my weight on my whole foot there. You know, just little stuff like that. At and nine years old. At nine. If you don't start until 16, 17... You're going to have way better body control and your brain's more – you're going to be faster at picking it up. But my point is you're just getting a really late start to the game. I know of one other guy, Philippe Amont, the Mariners took him, I think, in the first round. And he had just started pitching like his senior year at high school. And he had a really hard time with it. Got up to the big leagues, had himself a career. But, you know, it's definitely a challenge to start that late with his stuff and then throwing 99 your first outing of spring training. Didn't Tommy do that once? Yeah. I think so. I mean, this is a guy with an arm. Obviously, he's got a special, special arm. He can throw football like 70 or 75 yards, you know. I mean, he could average like 290 yards passing, a 270 or 290 yards passing in high school. He was going to go big time D1 college quarterback. So I think he's got a special future. It's just going to take a while, maybe a little longer than normal for guys like that because of what you said. You know, he's just starting to get a real feel for pitching. And we saw glimpses of it last year at times. I mean, they, that stuff plays for sure. But anyway, I thought the most impressive thing today, other than Michael Harris homering again, he had two homers in his first seven ABs now. 
I'm not worried about him one bit. <laughs> Never. That guy took two yeah. regulars to the game today. He was one of them. And, uh, yeah, he launched a homer in the first inning after hitting one to dead center the other day. If it's possible, his lower body is even more fullback like now, NFL fullback. He's put together. He's a tree trunks from the waist down. But uh, So he homered again. But I thought the most impressive thing by far, the most promising thing for the Braves, was Ken Giles. This is a guy they signed to a minor league contract about a month ago after he had thrown for several teams, including the Braves. They were impressed. He was once known as 100 Miles Giles, if you remember, because he was one of the first guys throwing 100. And he is now a totally different pitcher. Got a different delivery after Tommy John. He's pitching for the first time in the big league since 2022, and that was only five appearances with the Mariners. For that, it was four appearances in 2020 with the Jays before he had Tommy John. So really only five appearances in four years. And he's coming back to minor leagues last year. He's coming back, and he's learned this slider, and it is it's damn good pitch. So he struck out. He throws one inning today, his first inning of the spring. He strikes out Harper, Castellanos, and Baum. In order, all three guys he faced, all swinging at sliders. He was throwing 93 to 94, touch 95 maybe with the sinker, through a couple of four-seamers, but mainly sinker and slider. And that slider, man, it's like 82-84, and it's nasty. Now, will pitters get it there when they see it a little bit? Are they going to get a feel for it? But it's not one you can hit. You know, it's one of those that you can, I got to hit it. It's just can you spit on it and make them throw something else? But if he gets ahead, forget it with this slider. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certain guys that have pitches that you're not hitting unless they hang it, you know. So then you have to sit on it. You sit on it, you're more likely to chase it in the dirt or expand the zone. I think with Giles, you know, this could be a case of, being a guy that sits 100, especially when he was doing it, now there's more guys throwing upper 90s, more than ever. It's kind of similar to like Smith Shaver, where you don't get challenged and have to learn how to pitch. I was thinking about Smith Shaver a second ago, and it's like, when was he going to be challenged with his stuff? And so you finally get to the big leagues and you're challenged. In Giles' situation, you don't have to learn how to pitch when you can sit 100. Then you get hurt and you have all these injuries. It's like a lot of guys don't adjust until they have to. And if he has a slider that struck out those three hitters, even though it's spring training, if he has a slider that's striking out those three guys, those are legit major league hitters. And that's the best part of spring training. The best test is when you're in early enough to face. I remember I faced Miguel Cabrera and struck him out one spring training, and it gave me so much confidence. Like, all right, these adjustments I made are real if I'm striking out Miguel Cabrera. If you do it in the ninth inning against numbers 110, 71, and 94, it's not the same as striking out those three guys. You got to give them a lot of confidence. Two of whom had already homered in yeah. the game. So you, so you can't say they're late. Yeah. Right, right. So they've been in camp, you know, just hitting live BP and everything. So they debuted today. The team was at home. And yeah, I mean, he made them look. <laughs> he's throwing 94. I wrote this down here. Let me go into my notes now. 94, 95 sinkers, occasional four seamers, but the money pitch, that slider, 83 to 85. Last pitch in the majors, 2022, made five scoreless appearances for Seattle. Before that, four appearances in Toronto in 2020 before Tommy John. That's a long time off. That's a fresh arm. And uh, not throwing 100 anymore. So we'll see. But this could be a huge signing for the Braves. Some other teams were really interested in him. The Braves got him for a minor league deal, though. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm doing my roster projections. And, and that makes me rethink, you know, maybe <laughs> – one of those uh, four or five right-handed spots right there. The good thing is he's on a minor league deal, so if they start him at AAA, then bring him up when they want to, depending on whether he has an opt-out, but I doubt that he does. There's that rule with service time. I'm not sure if it's six years or how much time he has, but there is that one rule where you have to pay them. It's like 100, 150 grand to go to AAA, or you have to trade them. I was in that situation with the Pirates once, but you were talking about how crowded this bullpen is, Without really, we weren't really mentioning him. We weren't him. even mentioning him. No. Yeah. And this stuff happens every spring. And it's one outing. So, you know, I mean, it, stuff works itself out. But It's one outing, but it was really impressive. I mean, it's a guy that people for, might forget when he was with Philly. He broke in with Philly in 2014. He ended up closing for them some in 2015, I think, when Papelbaum was hurt, right? Yep. I think that's what it was. And he uh, was still 100. And in 2015 with the Phillies, 
Well, 2014 with the Phillies, his 23-year-old season, rookie year, he had a 1.18 ERA and 44 appearances as a rookie. 64 strikeouts, 11 walks, and 45 innings. Yeah, that's doing it. 2015 with the Phillies, he's had 15 saves, 87 strikeouts, 25 walkouts, 70 innings, 1.80 ERA. They traded him to Houston, and um, he had, what, 49 saves over the next two years. ERA went up one year in 2016, but other than that, that was 411. But that year, he had 102 strikeouts with 25 walks and 65 innings. This is a guy with a ton of strikeouts. He's got 484 strikeouts in 355 career innings. Career 271 ERA, 362 appearances. Yeah, and who's to say his velocity doesn't jump, you know, as he builds his arm up? I was always two, three miles an hour slower in spring training. Wasn't he a guy that had, didn't he have like short hair and wasn't he clean shaven? Yeah, maybe maybe some facial hair, but yeah, short hair. He looks like a different guy now. He's got a scraggly old man beard hanging down, <laughs> long beard. He looked mean. He ain't smiling either. Injuries send you to some dark places. <laughs> he ain't smiling either out there. He was out there just like facing his old team and it was just like, I'm fighting back, boys. It was impressive, so. Before we go any further, let me say, please subscribe. Our YouTube channel, 755 Forever. Trying to get up to 1,000 subscribers. We can start making some money off of that. <laughs> I think we're about halfway there, so appreciate everybody that's on there. Help us out there. And uh, our website, if you haven't been there, it's kind of a one-stop shop. You can get the links to the show there, but I know a lot of you can do it off Apple and uh, Spotify or watch it on YouTube, but you can get them on this website as well. And we got merch for sale at the website and sponsorship info there. So if you want to get some sponsors, we got a sponsor, got our first sponsor the other day, a coffee warehouse or shop, and uh, it's going to get going next week. Plus, we'll get some national sponsorship going. So get on board. I think you can get a good rate at Fort right now. But anyway, go to 755forever. That's the number, 755forever.com for all that crap. All right? Appreciate it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Other thing I wanted to uh, talk about that's really been really impressive so far, pitching. I mean, so much of this team is going to obviously revolve around pitching because they there's no question about the offense. Record-breaking offense last year. Everybody's back from the offense, plus they added Kelnick in left field. There's no reason to think they're not going to have the best offense in baseball, if not the best, one of the top three. And that would take some guys to struggling to even drop it that low So because they were so much better, I think, than the rest of baseball last year. So there's no worries about the offense as long as guys are healthy and everybody's healthy right now. So it's kind of natural to, to look a little bit more at the pitching early because so much is going to depend on the pitching and – particularly starters and bullpen pieces they added, the biggest being Chris Sale added to the rotation. I don't know if you got a chance to see the highlights of this the other day, but he faced the Pirates yesterday in Bradenton. And, dude, they couldn't have asked for more. The Braves could not have asked for more from him. Again, it's just a matter of him staying healthy because he is just nasty. He came out throwing 95, which for him that's all you need because that slider, I mean – it looks like it's coming at left-handers like he's throwing it from, you know, second base. And um, he faced the Pirates. He was perfect. Two innings, four strikeouts. And it was the Pirates' regular players because they were at home. At home, yeah. They were playing their starters, their regular guys. He wasn't doing this at a home game against another team's early spring traveling roster. This was 
studs he was facing. And uh, beginning with O'Neill Cruz, which was six foot six Chris Sale against six foot seven O'Neill Cruz, who he struck out. He had four strikeouts in two innings, perfect innings. He was nasty. And afterwards, he was talking about, they were talking about the, uh, you know, the Braves have talked about this plan to keep him healthy, which is if he needs extra rest, going to give him that. No problem. Basically go with a six-man rotation without calling it that. And he's going to give him an extra day rest more often than he's going to get regular rest probably. They need to skip a turn they wheel. In other words, they want to give him healthy for the stretch drive, but particularly the postseason. And if he gets 20, 22 starts, I think they'd be happy. But his response to that was, just give me the ball. He doesn't care when he pitches. He said, if I'm on four days rest, five days rest, if you want to use me in a bullpen, I don't care. Just give me the ball, and I'm going to get guys out. That's all I want to do. I want. To, I like this. He said, I want to not think about it like I have in the past, getting my own head. Because I just want to pitch, not think about it so much like I have before. It's a good place to be if you're him. I mean, really, you just have to stay healthy and throw strikes because his stuff's so good. If you saw like the success Madison Bumgarner had with that arm angle, it's very similar arm angle. I mean, it's it's the reason his slider looks like it breaks so much is because it's already coming in at an angle from that first base side. That's the only challenge. Just stay healthy and don't get hurt. I looked at it today. I didn't know this. His career walk rate is 2.1. That's really good. 11 strikeouts per nine. Yeah, the strikeout rate is off the charts. Yeah. So, I mean, if he'll have a couple blow-up outings a year, but even in his bad innings that I looked at or his bad outings that I looked at, he was still going six or seven innings if he gave up five or six runs. And most of the time in the last four years when he's had a bad outing. It's been leading up to an injury. It's been related to an injury, yeah. Coming back from an injury, just about to go on the IL. So I think you got to kind of – throw that out as a whole because he I mean he's had some great outings too he had a run last year after starting off horrible in the first five starts he basically his last 15 starts was himself and that was with a two-month IL stint in the middle of that but his ERA was just over three strikeout rate was normal his usual it's just health and he feels great right now he's had his first normal offseason he said since really since 2018 you know he's had something or other ever since then so he said this is uh, really the first time he hasn't been coming off anything or resting from something. So we'll see. If you gave me a choice between having to figure out how to stay healthy and having to figure out how to get big league hitters out, I'd much rather my focus has to be, you know, what do I have to do before the game to stay healthy? Then toward the end of my career, I just wasn't good enough. You know, my stuff just wasn't there. I'd lost like two ticks on my fastball. The ball wasn't moving enough. I couldn't get in the positions to hide the ball. It was like, I could stay healthy. I'm fine, but I'm throwing my best shit up there and it's getting rocked. So now what? And in, in his shoes, if he can just get the ball in the zone, like he's got like a 90% chance of getting the hitter out almost every time because his stuff's just so good. It's easy to forget. I know, especially for Braves fans, I think that maybe don't pay as much attention to the other league, especially when they weren't facing him, you know, with the White Sox. He was hurt so much with the Red Sox, that natural rivalry thing. They didn't see him much there. And before that, he was with the White Sox. I didn't face them much at all. So it's easy to forget this guy was arguably top three pitcher in baseball, really, when you consider that stretch he's had. Because nobody else active, really, except for like your Verlander or Scherzer, has had as long of stretch as he had, where he finished six in the Cy Young voting one year, and then he was top five for the next six consecutive years. I was just looking at that. Like, I didn't even realize that. Including runner-up one of those years. Top five for six straight years, all-star for all seven straight years of that. Yep, 2017, he was runner-up with 214 innings and 308 strikeouts. Yeah, look at his innings and starts in that stretch, his strikeouts. I mean, tremendous run. The Braves now have on their on their rotation two guys who've led the majors in strikeouts, one of them with over 300 sale, and then last year strided with 280-something. You know, in the innings, if the innings now were like they were with Sale used to throw, Strider obviously would have had over 300 last year. He he would have had over 300 if he had made two more starts, you know. So I think Strider will get over 300 this year. And Sale, if he can throw 150 innings, what did he have last year strikeout-wise with 145 innings? He had over 200 strikeouts, right? 125 in 102 innings last year. 102 innings. Uh, four so years ago. He out 11 per nine. When he had the 145, like, uh, what, four years ago? That was his last? 218. Yeah. So if he can get 150 innings this year, 
you know, make 22 starts or something like that. This guy that uh, will have over 200 strikeouts again with Strider getting over 300 and Charlie getting 200. Charlie getting close to that, at least. Freed stays healthy. I mean, you could have legitimately four guys like that. If Freed stays healthy, Freed's right there, too, 175 to 200. This rotation, that's the other thing I wanted to say, was uh, you've had three of the guys you're counting on so far have pitched with Strider, Freed, and Sale, and all of them were tremendous to any extent in their first starts of spring. Freed was perfect. Two innings, one walk, two strikeouts. Sale, two innings, nothing. Perfect. Four strikeouts. And Strider, I saw him pitch the uh, Grapefruit opener against Tampa Bay. Again, with some good players. Tampa Bay, a lot of good players in there. Two innings, one hit, four strikeouts, one walk. And he was nasty. And the big thing with Strider, he unveiled that curveball that we've talked about that he threw in the live BP the week before that. And he threw like three of them in that Grapefruit opener. And they were all good curveballs. He's got it's a part of the arsenal. Threw one changeup in that game, but he's going to throw his usual changeups like he did last year. But the curveball, big, big development. It looked good. He's comfortable throwing it. His velocity, he looks in such great shape. Him, Freed, and uh, Sale, all healthy and in great shape. Charlie, I'm sure, is throwing sim game on the backfield like he did last year. He doesn't need to make five or six Grapefruit League starts. He'll make his soon. Elder got knocked around, Smith Shaver got knocked around, but neither one of those guys is being counted on, really. And Ronaldo Lopez looked real good in his two innings. Gave up a home run, but threw really well in his two innings. He didn't start, but he threw two innings his first time out, and uh, he looked good. Two innings, one hit. Pitched the contact, threw hard, got easy contact except for the home run. So, we'll see. I mean, right now he's penciled in for the fifth spot. They're giving those other guys all a chance to compete for it. But like we said, the, the bullpen is so full, especially with Giles now as another option too, that I could easily see them starting the year with Lopez in the rotation, thinking with the thought being at some point we're going to move him to the bullpen when we have a couple of injuries. We get another guy's building up, Smith Shaver and Kirsten uh, Waldrop could be ready by midseason, the stud, the number one prospect. They don't have to rush him. But if he's ready, he dominates in AAA. 10 starts in or earlier than that, if you wanted to bring him up, all of a sudden somebody's not performing in the bullpen or has got a little sore or something, you just move Lopez to the bullpen. There's so many things you could do now with what they've got, the personnel they've got. There's so many things that happen. You never have to worry about if you're a AAA guy. Rarely do you just tear it up for the whole year. Something always comes up. But like with Lopez's case, it's no secret that you have more value to a team as a starting pitcher. So they should push it and try to make it happen as much as they can and, and give him some starts. And if he looks good in spring, ride it as long as they can. And who knows? I mean, he goes off. It's like we keep him there. You know, it's so nice to have a guy that you can take that chance with and get that answer with already having four really good starters that you know you can count on. I could see him anywhere. And one of the older guys needs to go on the IL or just uh, skip a start or two. You bring Waldrop up if you want, or you bring Smith Shaver up, make two or three starts, whatever you need to do. That's the way they broke guys in in the past, in the recent past, for a long time, really, have broke guys in like that rather than having them in the rotation. Not many times do you have like what Bryce Elder did last year, where you're having a guy in a rotation from the first week, you know, and even he made one AAA start opening day before he joined the rotation. But Braves' way usually is to break them in like they did, say, Freed, where he threw out of the bullpen for a while, you know, or they come up and make spot starts like Soroka did. And I know fans kind of bemoan that and go, give the guy a chance and all that. But that's the way they do it. I think it's the best. Yeah. And it usually helps the guy because he comes up, gets knocked around probably, sees what he needs to work on, goes back to AAA and works on it where he can work on pitches and not worry about the results so much. Then when he comes back up, he's better prepared. If he has a real good start, then he gets the confidence of knowing, hey, my stuff plays there. So there's nothing wrong with that happening like that. That's the way it usually happens. I think it's the best because – it's less pressure knowing you're going back down. If it's a doubleheader or something and they say ahead of time, you're going to make this start. You know, your mindset can shift from not getting sent back down. It's like you can shift from that mindset of don't blow this. This is my big opportunity to, well, I'm going down either way, so I might as well show them something. You know, and just that difference in mentality can really help a young guy. What else have we seen? They've had some road games and, and early on, Snit doesn't make any of his veterans make these road trips. 
Uh, Harris made one today. Kellenick has made a couple because he's getting as many ABs as he can get for Kellenick. He wants to see him. He wants him to play a lot and get comfortable. But the guys like Olsen, Acuna, Ozzy, Riley, you're not seeing those guys make these trips because Snit is a player's manager. He knows they appreciate it. They can get live BP back at the field. They don't need to be playing at the end of February when the first when opening day is a month away. These aren't guys that need to get 60 at-bats. They're going to have plenty of time. And so a long trip, to, a relatively long trip to, say, Clearwater, which is long now. They don't have to travel that far. And it's not like it used to be. He just doesn't make them make that trip. And like I said, they really appreciate it when they don't have to be on the bus for an hour and a half each way. The spring training facilities are better, but it's still a lot harder to prepare for a game on the road. You know, if you go to like Lakeland or one of those old ones, I don't know which ones have been redone, but I mean, you're eating a sub sandwich and you're warming up in the locker room. You know, if you have if you have a routine and everything, you're just everybody's fighting for space. So if you can have guys avoid that and get all their prep in, you're just setting them up better. I tell you, this this new location helps them so much with spring training in that regard, because it got to the point where after the Astros left Kissimmee and the Marlins left Melbourne, which wasn't that close, but it was a little over an hour. But after the Astros left Kissimmee, which was only 15 minutes to 30 minutes, depending on traffic. After they left, the only team within an hour was Lakeland, was the Tigers, straight on I-4. Every other trip, even going to like play the Yankees, because you're going to run into Tampa traffic especially coming back, could be a nightmare on I-4 if you had an accident. But even going there, it was going to be over an hour, hour and a half to get to there and clear water across the bay. Every trip, go down to Pittsburgh, was over an hour, and, mo- and most of them were two plus with a lot of traffic coming back. This new place helps so much in that regard. And now they're not even making teams go to the other coast. This year, the Braves aren't even going over to play the Mets and the Cardinals with an overnight trip. At all? Like they used to? No. You know, they used to make that trip down from Disney, spend the night to Jupiter. Three, three to three and a half hours, go to Jupiter and West Palm. They're not doing that now uh, because it's so far to go over there and there's enough teams in that cluster on that side. Teams, uh, you know, the union and the teams just said, you know, it's so much easier to play these teams over here. Let those teams on the other side play each other. So the Braves and a lot of these games can hit at home and they do and then get on the bus and go like they hit at home and go play Tampa. They can hit at home and go play the Orioles, you know, or even the Pirates if they want to, because it's less than an hour to that trip. And in Port Charlotte, the Rays is like 20 minutes away. So that helps a lot. They hit at their facility. Like you said, the routine's so much better. But almost every trip now is within an hour. A long trip now is like Dunedin because the traffic can be a little over an hour, hour and a half. But nothing like it used to be. You go down to Fort Myers, it's less than an hour, you know, for both the Red Sox. And the uh, Twins, you go to Charlotte for the Rays, you go to Sarasota for the Orioles, Bradenton for the Pirates. It's so much better now as far as not wasting so much time on the road. They used to waste so much time in a bus when they were at Disney. Brutal. Oh, I hated that. Coming over, I was with Seattle my first few years and it was everything's half an hour, you know, in in Phoenix. It's much more like that now, where they are now, much more like Arizona. In Arizona, you do all your prep at your home park. And then you just jump on the bus, you know, get there, play catch and stuff. But you get there an hour, hour and a half before the game. When I got over to Orlando, when they were still in Disney, it was like 9 a.m. bus. And then, you know, sit for two hours, then try to warm up in a crowded clubhouse. And I hated those road trips because I just never really felt quite as good and quite as prepared. But that's really nice. That's a game changer. Another thing that I've seen to file away kind of for the future is uh, this shortstop the Braves have got. Nacho Alvarez. Nacho Alvarez. Nacho Alvarez. You can't lose with that name. It's Ignacio Alvarez, but. Call him Nacho. He's 20 years old and played at Riverside College in California for a year. Rookie ball in low A in 2022. Last year, high A Rome, spent the whole year there. 116 games, had 501 plate appearances, hit 284. With a 395 OBP from a 20-year-old with seven homers, 24 doubles. The bat plays, and this dude can pick it. He's one to keep an eye on for sure. I saw, I've seen him already have two opposite field hits that were just really good pieces of hitting. Really impressive. And he can play third. He's played third base, too. 
some of the minors, but he's primarily a shortstop. Played shortstop all last year, but he's played third. And look for this guy and Snit loves and what he's seen so far. He came in preseason baseball prospectus number 98, gave the Braves two top 100 prospects. So he's stud. They got him in camp. Got him in camp as a 20-year-old. And he's holding his own with, uh, you know, in big league camp. I don't have any stats to back this up, but if you got a cool name, you got better odds. I think it's like a 40% boost in your odds of being successful in baseball if you got and a cool name. And he's listed as Nacho Alvarez, too, in his stats. You can book him. He's three for eight right now with a double, two RBIs, a couple of walks. Yeah, 500 OBP to start out the year in five games at age 20 in Grayford League. Pretty impressive. David Fletcher, I think, looked pretty good. I've been surprised, to tell you the truth, at what I've seen from him. You know, I wasn't expecting a lot. There's a guy that's making $6 million this year, and the Angels basically just were dumping his contract. He's making six five next year. The Braves are going to pay that, whether he's in AAA or with them. Because you're not going to find a, a trade partner without eating some of it, unless he gets off to a phenomenal start, which, you know, he's really struggled the last couple of years. I talked to him. He had a couple of injuries, man. That he had, a, he had a hernia. They had to have surgery. And those can really be debilitating, those trying to come back from those hernia surgery. He really struggled with that because this guy had a really good year a couple of a few years ago with the Angels to get that contract. When did he have it? Uh, what did he say? 2022, I think. I had those in 2000, I think it was two, I had them in 2004, I had double. It wasn't the sports hernia, it was the actual hernias in my abdominal wall. And that actually, I didn't think was too bad. I was back in the gym about two weeks after, but I know the guys that get those sports hernias that are lower. Yeah, that's what his was. He had to have surgery and... Oh, yeah, they wreck you. But anyway, he's off to, he's getting a lot of playing time early and trying to earn a utility spot. He's three for seven. With a uh, couple of RBIs early and a walk, hadn't struck out. And he made a great play in the, in the grapefruit opener at second base. I thought a ball was past him. Made a diving stop, saved a run. It was impressive. Really strong play. So good so far because, like I said, the Braves are paying him regardless. They're not going to release him. And uh, he's either going to be buying a spread at AAA for the guys <laughs> or he's going to be making $6 million or he's going to be up as a second utility infielder along with Guillaume. So Luis Guillaume is going to be their primary utility guy, barring any injury or anything. So the bench could be a little better than I think people are thinking. I thought Alex gave a great explanation on why, because I asked him about the bench being, on paper, really the only weakness on this team. And he made a good point. I don't know if we discussed this last time, but he made a good point is you got to get the right guys because these are guys coming to this team that are rarely going to play. So it's not a typical utility job where you play a couple times a week, maybe get a start or two a week because they don't rest guys like other teams do. And they have no plans to rest guys this year, whether you want them to or not. You know, you could argue, make an argument that they could probably use some rest, but they don't plan to do it. So if you're Guillaume, you know, you better be prepared like last year when Charlie Culberson would go, uh, you know, a month without playing. Hilliard, when he was the fifth outfielder, fourth outfielder, Went a month without playing, basically. So, like Alex said, you got to have the right guys. They got to be clubhouse guys, good teammates that know they might not play at all and still got to come and be good teammates and be ready when they do get called on. That's such a hard role. It's so hard. And then if you come up in a big situation and strike out, everybody thinks you suck. And it's like, hasn't even been in the box in three weeks. And maybe you saw some live BP or something, but it, there's a small class of players that can thrive in that role. Yeah, and Pilar was good in it last year, you know, and he wasn't used to it either, but he was good in that role. Like I said, J.P. Martinez is their fourth outfielder, the best fourth outfielder. A minor league organizational all-star last year, which means my all-star across the minors, had great numbers last year in AAA. Came up with the Rangers, made his debut, and uh, was productive in his limited, very limited time with the Rangers. Got to can play defensively at all three spots really well. So he's your perfect fourth outfielder. Problem is, he's too good to have up here sitting on his ass. They want him to get ABs. So it sounds like they're for sure going to start him in AAA. So you, if you need to get through a game, you can do that with a Forrest Wall or a uh, Luke Williams or an Eli White here as your fourth or fifth outfielder. But if you you can get through a game there with that guy. And if you have an injury... Then you bring up J.P. Martinez the next day, can play if a guy has to go in the aisle and miss five games or whatever it is. He can do that. Like they did last year with Vaughn Grissom. 
rather than have Vaughn sit up here on his butt, they had him go to AAA and keep playing and then bring him up when they needed to, start for a while, shoemake the same way. That's the way they're treating J.P. Martinez if anybody's wondering why he isn't on the opening day roster. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, too, because if you ask any player, they'd rather be in the big leagues, but you kind of have to see the big picture and understand that this is better for you long term than basically just sitting out a year. You know, if nobody gets hurt, you're just watching baseball for a year and you don't get a chance to make adjustments or learn much about yourself. It's the same thing if you wind up just dominating AAA. That would be the most frustrating spot is if he's just killing it and they just don't have space for him. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm doing a story tomorrow on Ray Kerr, this left-hander they got from the Padres they traded for in the offseason. And, man, you talk about a wisp of a guy. They've got two guys now with Sale and this guy who make Freed look relatively wiry. <laughs> I really? mean, they're skinnier than Freed. This kid is about six two and a half, and weighs about 185, and he is real thin, but he throws hard and has a nasty curveball. Braves are really high on this guy. His numbers aren't great, but his strikeout rate is great, and he got called up with the Padres last year. But his strikeout numbers in the minors last year and with the Padres are really impressive. Braves love his arm. And uh, really interesting guy. He had gone to Mendocino Juco in uh, California. He was from Reno, Nevada. Butted heads with the coach there. You know, he was a young kid. Wanted to do things his own way. He was red shirt in a year. Said the coach was, in his words, kind of a dick to him. Told him, at least this is what he said. He said, you're going to get your work in, but you're not going to get it on the field while we're out there. You're going to get it in on your own time. It's like, And he was like, that wasn't cool with him. So he quit. Quit school. Goes back to Reno, Nevada. He's working in a movie theater for a year. And then he's working at a 7-Eleven. And he's like, okay, I made a mistake. Baseball wasn't so bad. <laughs> right. So he goes back to another Juco out in Susanville, California. Starts again. And did really well. And they said that he went to the Alaskan League, you know, in the summer and pitched. And anyway, he's ready to start to go back, uh, start another year at Juco. And he gets drafted by Seattle. And he's like, all right, I must be pretty good at this. So he signs with Seattle, bounced around a little bit. And, uh, but he was really interesting because I'm talking to him. He's a black kid from Reno, Nevada. He's got a dip in and he's talking about, being in Alaska with a sponsor family, they taught him to let him use ride their four wheelers and shoot guns. He goes, I've never shot guns and everything. It was fun. It was dangerous, but I was having fun up there. And then he's in Clinton, Iowa, fishing on the Mississippi for trout and an alligator gar takes his line. He's like, didn't know anything about an alligator gar, which if you Google them, they're terrifying looking. Took his line, but he's like talking about all this stuff, man. And I'm going, you would never look at this kid and think, you know, he sounds like <laughs> he sounds like Austin Riley talking about fishing and hunting and everything. And uh really interesting guy, but you talk about appreciating it. He's one of those guys that was out of it for a year, year and a half. And he said it gives you a whole different perspective. So when you get back in, you're ready to do what it takes. He goes, I want to be the best, man. He goes, I want to be a Hall of Famer. I'm going, all right. <laughs> well, I think it's just like, you know, baseball can get pretty redundant the failure can get pretty trying you can have these struggles and then you get out in the real world and it's impossible to have this perspective especially if you've been in baseball your whole life but you get out in the real world and you're like shit everybody's going through all the same stuff i am but there's no option for them to make millions they're not flying on these chartered planes they're not eating the food they're not staying in the hotels like life is hard regardless of where you are and 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 work if baseball turns into a job it's hard but it's a lot better in the big leagues or in baseball than it is outside of it. He was talking about, I asked, you know, have you gotten advice from people and pick people's brain? Oh, he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, Josh Hader was telling me all this stuff about mental approach, how to go after hitters and everything. And then now over here, he's surrounded by all these guys. And he was telling me that, uh, that the, the Padres pitchers had something that one of the pitchers started called Waffle House. And he goes, what it is, is pitching up in the zone. Well, you've talked about this, how nobody used to do that. Throw fastballs up in the zone. First strike. And he said, now we do it. You throw fastballs up in the zone. We call it Waffle House because it's always open. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So I said, well, you got a guy here that uh, operates in a Waffle House quite a bit, right? Spencer Strider. And he goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> so he's Lives picking there. these guys' brains, watching, just watching how they go about their business. So it was really cool to get the perspective of this kid that's still – learning the ropes and has a great arm. And uh, I think he's going to surprise some people, man, because they're going to see him 
and think this is the left-hander that throws hard because he you would never never believe it looking at him kind of like sale looking at him you're like how can he throw 95 yeah there's a lot of guys though that their body just works at that light weight and they try to bulk up and put on muscle and they get slower carl edwards jr to do with with the cubs for a while i think he was 165 at 6'1 or 6'2 Everybody has kind of their own mix and weight and body composition that works best for the sport. Yeah, and they and they work a delivery. Some of them have a delivery, whether it's kind of a sling in the ball or whatever, but their joints and everything just work in unison a certain way, and they're able to generate more velo than people that might be 50 pounds heavier that try to muscle a ball, and you just can't do that. I mean, some guys are just born to pitch, really. Born to throw, yeah. Born to throw a ball, born to throw whatever. It's funny. I have two kids right now. One of them, I've, I've taught them all the same stuff. Well, I have three kids, three boys, but the, the two older boys, six and nine, the nine-year-old, I barely have to say anything to him. He can just uncoil and throw. My six-year-old, it's like he doesn't even know what foot to step with. And at the same age, my nine-year-old was already just uh, able to, if you put our mechanics side by side, he throws just like me. Like it's the same picture. And my six-year-old, it's like, I think he's going to be an outfielder. I, you know, I don't even know if I want to put time in with him on pitching because he's a completely different athlete. But you get guys like that. I mean, maybe like Kimbrell, for example, maybe he's not a high jumper. Maybe he's not super fast, but rotational speed. He was just built to throw a baseball. Andrelton Simmons throwing 98 across the diamond. Yeah, baseball is the weirdest sport to try to uh, train and prepare for or even judge somebody looking at him. I mean, you could see guys in the mall that are 40 home run guys and you'd never know they're a professional athlete. And then you could see a dude that looks like he would hit 50 a year and no power at all. All the muscle in the world just can't sink it up and whip the bat the way the skinny guy can. Like, who's that guy on Tampa or was on Tampa? Matt Duffy? You'd never think he could hit for power and he can. I've seen so many guys come out and you've seen this take BP from other sports, football players, linebackers, basketball players. And it's like, dude, why did you come out Stop. and do this when you know yeah. they come out and try to take batting practice and look like they have never picked up a bat in their lives? Same with throwing. Same with throwing. First pitch. It's like, oh yeah, first pitches. It's like if you can't do it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't volunteer to do it. It looks easy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, or like Forrest Wall. Some guys are born to throw. Some guys are born to run. Forrest Wall can throw too. But but look at Forrest Wall. You wouldn't think. Okay, there's the fastest guy on the team. Nothing about him says that. And I'm not just saying because he's white. He doesn't have the huge legs or the, the legs like a sprinter, the calf up by the uh, below the knee. None of that. And then he takes off and it's like, holy shit. He can His fly. His body just works. Yep. Yeah. He's just smooth. Some guys can run. Some guys can throw. Some guys can hit. Some guys can do it all. <laughs> some Johnny Venters like was trout. like that. Some guys are Ronald Acuna. Yeah, Johnny Venters, athletes that could do everything. Pick up every sport. And you, you look at Johnny at the mall, you'd think like this dude might work at the cell phone, you know, right. <laughs> kiosk in the middle of it. I know. He can do a think. 360 dunk. He can throw 98. And he was an option quarterback. Can't judge baseball players by the cover. If you look like Adam, if you see Adam LaRoche these days, you're like, that's just a normal guy walking down the street. He might be a little taller than you, your typical guy, but you'd never guess that this guy could hit 40 bombs, you know, can throw. Even Acuna, honestly, I mean, he if, if you look at him, you would not think he's one of the top three most powerful hitters in the game. Yeah, not at all. I mean, he's like, you know, a little over 200 pounds, like six feet, six two, six one, about six one. Kind of like he looks like he's built kind of like Hank Aaron, to tell you the truth. Like Hank was a little bit later. Hank was smaller in his earlier years. But yeah, most of the guys are not built like Mike Trout, you know, or Shohei. Most of them aren't huge. They're just gifted at what they do. Oh, and Culberson. Talked to Culberson last week, did a story on him. And, uh, it was funny because you were talking about how you never know what the velo is going to be when he throws all the time now. Is it going to go up or is it going to be go down because he's tired? He threw 94 in his first appearance when that was in 2018 or whatever. He thought, you know, so this offseason he worked at Maven Baseball Lab. He worked out a lot there, shaping the pitches and everything. He's serious about this stuff. And the guys that worked out with him said, oh, he's legit. Mentor told me that he worked out with him, threw with him. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I said, is it, does it kind of make you, does it piss you off that he's able to do this? And he goes, no, but it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, that he could just do this and, and that he, that he, he's so smooth that he can pick a ball up and do this that we work on years and years on. 
But he said, I have no doubt that he can do it if he wants to. And he said his heart, he set his mind to do this and he's serious about it. But I asked Culberson about the velo and he goes, I goes, how's your velo? I didn't know. And he goes, he looked at me like, it's okay. He was hoping it would go up though from throwing all winter and everything. And it really hasn't in the sessions yet. And he said, something else you said, he goes, but I talked to a bunch of pitchers and they said, don't worry about it, man. He goes, I'll try to hump it up in a, Lower. In the Maven Lab or whatever, and I can barely throw 93, and I get in a game, and you get some adrenaline going, and I'm at 96, 97. Oh, really? Some guys said- Oh, yeah, yeah. Get, I thought you meant he was. No, not him. Yeah. He said, so I, I'm not really worried about it. He goes, they told me, don't worry about it. When you when you get into games and when you get into, when the, when the adrenaline gets going, you'll throw harder than you're doing here. I threw a showcase one time, and my arm felt amazing. I was like, I'm back. And I hadn't been on the gun yet, but just the way the ball was coming out, I thought, I'm going to be 92, 93, like, you know, my good days. I threw a showcase. I was amped up. I was trying to kind of light the gun up a little bit. You know, I'm healthy. I was 85 to 87. <laughs> but when the season started, my velo was there. But it's just, it's something about when a hitter gets in the box, you know, your focus changes and you have the adrenaline and you're like, you're throwing at the hitter, you're attacking versus trying to make pitches. But yeah, I think almost there's a few guys. There's very few guys that could just go into a bullpen and just sit 95, even hard throwers. I'm always shocked when I see guys in their off-season videos, like driveline training and stuff that can amp up because no matter what I would have tried to do, there was no way I was breaking 90 without a hitter in the box. Even a guy like Chris Sale, I mean, he's not throwing 95 in his pins, you know, but he gets in a game, he's throwing 95. and you know, you see Strider, he's not throwing 98, 99 in his pins, but he gets in the first game, a Grapefruit League game, and even the adrenaline from that, he's at 90. Smith Shaver today, he comes out, first pitch, he throws his 97. First inning, he threw 97, 97, 98, 98, 399s, got taken way deep. <laughs> Bomb hit one off out of everything in Philly at Clearwater in that ballpark and left, but I think the wind was blowing out because the Braves hit a couple too. But anyway, the arm, uh, the adrenaline for any of those guys, and even if it's just a spring training game, it's just different. It makes a difference So than it did, say, in live BP. But so far, I think the Braves, uh, I have no idea what the record is. It doesn't matter. Um, they tied today, I think. Yeah, they tied the Phillies. They played the regulars very little. But so far, knock on wood for the Braves, no injuries. And everybody that they were hoping to see, whatever they were hoping to see from the guys that, uh, you know, important guys coming off something or whatever, Everything's been good so far, and uh, it's been a good start to the camp. And they're loaded, man. They're loaded on both sides of the ball. There's no reason to think that they're not going to win 100 games again, barring uh, barring major injuries. And we'll see. It's going to be interesting to watch them, though. But it's going to be really interesting to see how that opening day roster breaks down with the pitching, because they have got a ton of pitching, and they're not going to have to fill in with anybody that they wonder about whether they're ready. Nobody. That's so nice. Yeah. It's so nice not to be hoping, you know, I hope this guy works out. We need the best out of him. Like, no, we, we got so many options. We just take who's doing the best. All right. We didn't even get anything about the uniform controversy, but I think everybody's probably tired of hearing them, but, but I will say they look like crap. They really do. It's not overrated. This stuff, they look like crap. Nike fanatics, fanatics is making them the Nike logo on them. They look shitty. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking, because they changed the number, the lettering on the back. It's much smaller. It's cheap looking. They look like replicas. They look like a replica you'd buy for 30 bucks online. And they're like 400 bucks. And nobody's happy with them. Pants, nothing. They don't customize the pants. They're not customizing. There's like maybe three different kind of uh, categories. Cut, can, yeah, yeah, like that. <laughs> Instead of having them tailored to exactly what a guy wants, they're not doing it. Why wouldn't you do that? These are the most elite players in the world making this a multi-billion dollar industry. And you're worried about tailoring the slacks? I would hate to be the person that has to go into the clubhouse yeah. and ask these guys, do they want, you know, do you want wide cut? <laughs> Boot cut. Do you want the skinny fit? You know what I mean? That, that guy or gal is getting so much shit that they, I would uh, think they'll probably quit their job. How about going up to Chris Sale and asking him? Because he wears his really baggy. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you, oh, we can do that, but you have to have the 48-inch waist. All right, well, I'm going to cut these up. <laughs> That's brutal. But, yeah, they look bad, and uh, 
it'll be interesting to see what they do about it because I don't know. If, I don't think they can resolve it and go back to the old ones. They probably haven't manufactured enough of those, and they're going to see this out. They got contracts and all that, but uh, they can at least make them not not be see through. And the terrible thing on the Braves is the piping that they've had for decades since like the mid fifties on their sleeves, which was like a quarter of an inch from the bottom of the sleeve. The piping is now a cuff at the bottom of the sleeve, and everybody says it. It feels so awkward. It looks bad, but it feels awkward. It looks bad two weeks in the camp. When they wash them 50 times, that cuff is going to look so cheap. And it's like a pitcher, especially. You're feeling that cuff on your elbow. It's just stupid. It's like a yeah, polo shirt with, with the cuff that right above your elbow. I don't know how people get these jobs to make these decisions. I mean, Majestic nailed it for as right. long as they made those things. They yeah. were the, they're the most. I mean, it's like put, putting on pajamas, how they felt, the quality of them. And then... You know, money, I guess, money talks. And they took the piping off the belt loops that the Braves have had forever. You don't even think about it. And you look at pictures of them and said, yeah, that looks good. It's like noticeable. Big piping on the belt loops. Nothing now. They're just plain. Cheap. They just went cheap. There's no other reason you'd do that. I don't have any answers for it. I just sometimes people get put in charge of things they shouldn't be put in charge of. They got that damn quick creep patch on there. They made sure that's still there. (laughs) Yeah. Brutal. All right. Thanks, everybody. Sign up on on, uh, YouTube, our channel, 755 Forever. Even if you listen to us on Apple and Spotify, still subscribe on YouTube channel. All right? We need to make that money. I need that money. (laughs) It ain't like it's a lot of money, people. (laughs) And it's free for you guys. So sign up and, and give us a great rating, would you? We appreciate it. All right, that's it. 755 Forever. We're out. Thanks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.